and welcome to our latest episode. I am Vivian, one of the co-hosts of the Pulse podcast. Our purpose is to capture the pulse of healthcare innovation spanning leaders across the healthcare ecosystem. Today, we're super excited to have Afton Betchery, CEO and co-founder of Modern Fertility, as our guest today. Prior to founding Modern Fertility, Afton worked in healthcare private equity, strategic operations at various health tech startups, and product at 23andMe. Afton is a graduate of Wake Forest University with degrees in neuroscience, business, and entrepreneurship. Founded in 2016, Modern Fertility is a women's health company making personalized, proactive fertility information more accessible to women everywhere, whether they are trying for kids or not. Modern Fertility has also raised their Series A in 2019 from Forerunner Ventures, First Round Capital, Mavron, and many other leading investors. So I'd love to get started. Thank you so much for joining us, Afton. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I'd love to talk about your early career aspirations. Did you imagine that you would be a founder today? Were you always interested in women's health? I'm curious to hear your life story there. Yeah. So my co-founder Carly and I talk about this a lot. And I think I was lucky to have a very early introduction to entrepreneurship. I think before I even knew what entrepreneurship was. Uh, and she she definitely came at it from the opposite side of the equation. So when I was in high school, actually, I, I did a science fair project that discovered a, a pretty massive issue with the well water in my community in, in rural Maryland. And I ended up kind of competing with that project and just getting this insight into the world of where, how science could impact the public. But I realized that the kind of incentives within the public health system uh, in my community, no one was really going to act on the findings of that project and make change. And so I actually started a water quality testing company in high school based on those findings and was coming into school early, spending my lunch breaks, distributing water bottles. I got local funding from an R&D lab. And I think to me, it was really, this was the only path forward. I just had to find ways to address some of the issues I saw in my community. But that was my crash course in, in entrepreneurship. And I think because it was just the logical next step, there was not an option of not going that route. And so that led me to actually get a scholarship focused on entrepreneurship to go to school. And so what that scholarship meant is I basically had to start companies to stay in college, uh, which was a, a kind of unique college experience, but yeah. uh, a total blast and, and whirlwind. I think in undergrad, it was just this really amazing opportunity to start to get to kind of operate in this world of business with downside protection, which is, which is always nice. And so I, I worked on a few companies and in college, uh, then made the decision based on a lot of findings uh, and, and experiences within those companies to really kind of go deeper into healthcare. And so got a job at a healthcare private equity fund in New York, where my job was to basically find sectors of healthcare that were interesting, growing, had some consolidation potential. And I would uh, work to find a company, work with my managing director to buy a majority stake, and then join the board as a board observer to do outsourced uh, M&A to kind of grow those companies through M&A. And that was actually my first introduction to the fertility and infertility space. But kind of fast forward from there, I loved the kind of intellectual stimulation of, of investing, venture, private equity, uh, but I missed that operational component. And so I, I made the tough decision to leave finance and joined the earliest possible company I could find. I was employee number one uh, for an autism behavior phenotyping company that ended up getting sold. I quickly went over to Willow Pump, uh, the wireless yeah. press pump, and helped them build out their go-to-market and raise the first $16 million from J&J, &J, uh, and then had a 
competing offer at the time to head over to 23andMe while they were still shut down by the FDA to help relaunch their experience. And I ran the, the consumer tools division within that. So everything that you could do with your genetic information. While I was at 23andMe, I realized that I was waiting until later in life to start my own family and really just started kind of digging into the fertility and infertility space, but through my own personal journey, which led me to founding Modern Fertility. It's an amazing story. And I think that has a lot of themes throughout that kind of make a lot of sense. It feels like you have a lot of experience with home testing, consumer wellness, and all of that. So I'm curious, in terms of starting Modern Fertility, what was the market like at that time in 2016? Like, what were the options available to women? Like, what were you looking at when you were digging into it? Yeah. So maybe I'll talk about the consumer side. So just as someone that was trying to get more information about my body, what that was like, and then what it was like to actually go out and and try to raise our first million conversations on the the venture side of things. So when I was at 23andMe and realized that I was waiting until later in life to start my family, I remembered those baseline tests that I had learned about back when I was in private equity. When I was exploring the broader women's health, reproductive health landscape, I got the opportunity at the age of 22, a year out of school, to really understand the business the science, the emotional aspects of of infertility, and kind of felt like I had this secret window into the world of conversations that I wouldn't be having with my girlfriends for quite some time. And so I remembered those baseline tests, how they could help you understand a little bit more about your own body besides just age alone. And so I tried to get them done. So I asked my OB if I could, if they could run this panel of tests. And they said, no, you're not actively trying and failing to conceive just come back when it's not working, just go try. And I was not at the the point where I was ready to start a family or or try or or anything in that world. I just wanted more information about my body. I wanted to understand that baseline. And so I had to go into an infertility clinic to get the testing done. That initial appointment was about $700. I got kind of the piece of paper to go to LabCorp request. Uh, I had an irregular menstrual cycle. So it took me months to pinpoint day three to actually take time off of work, 23 may happen to be a very flexible environment, but still just coordinating and planning to actually get to the testing center took time. But when I finally got those results, I just had such an amazing conversation with myself, my partner. I got diagnosed with PCOS, polysophistic ovarian syndrome. It impacts one in 10 women along the way. But I think the aha moment for me was really the fact that when I started to talk to friends friends of friends, and eventually hundreds of women about this experience, every single person wanted to to talk. They wanted to learn more and they wanted to understand more about their body proactively. And I realized that we were just in the midst of a pretty massive cultural transformation that that was really happening real time where women were finally starting to talk about their fertility in ways that they hadn't in previous decades. But I would say on the flip side of that, when I started, I put my own life savings into the company to start, which I I, I would not necessarily recommend to to everyone going to uh, that is interested in in starting their own company, but realized just for what we were doing on the R&D side of things, we needed more capital to just continue to progress the business. And so when I started having those early venture conversations, I would say the venture community was pretty confused. Femtech was not as much of a thing. VCs were very confused on why, if this was a pregnancy test, why would you be looking to get information before you were actively trying? And just this notion that we were trying to flip 
fertility, make it proactive instead of reactive was a, a pretty novel concept. But we were fortunate, I would say, after a lot of conversations to find a handful of investors that really understood the vision that we had and, and how we saw the way the world needed to evolve to really create a category from scratch to enable women to, to think about their fertility proactively in this way. Yeah, I'm surprised that knowing your fertility before you find out, before you're trying to conceive, is there like a possibility for women to sort of reverse the trends that they're on, like a path they're on? For example, if you were diagnosed with PCOS, I'm not that familiar with those types of conditions, but like, is it beneficial for people to find out whether they're on the spectrum of being more infertile or fertile and like how that changes over time? Yeah. So we really started the company as a fertility information company. I think that from my experience back in private equity, I was just talking to women in infertility clinics. It was typically, you know, executives in, in New York City. And what amazed me is just no one had ever told them that fertility declined with age. No one had ever told them that IVF wouldn't work for every single person. And so what we realized with just, you know, getting this baseline, having this understanding of your reproductive health, we, we look at your hormones as your fertility detectives. Uh, yeah. There is no test that exists today that's going to tell you if you are going to be able to have a, a kid or not. But what we can do is help you understand more about that baseline, detect potential red flags, help you understand your success in IVF and egg freezing if you decided to go that route, and understand more about menopause onset. Now with women waiting until later in life to start their families, often the menopausal transition and desire for either your first, second, or third kid might overlap. So understanding just where your body is quite impactful. To your question specifically about PCOS, I was actually told in that, that initial infertility consult previous to starting Modern Fertility that because I had PCOS, I would never be able to conceive naturally. That is not true. <laughs> and it was just so crazy to me that in this you know, very vulnerable position that I was in, that was the conversation uh, that was being presented to me. And I think what's amazing about just getting your fertility baseline up front is that take PCOS, for example, we don't diagnose anything with modern fertility. We just give you information about mm -hmm. hormones and how they could inform a broader conversation with your doctor. But today, PCOS is just a checklist. It's called the Rotterdam criteria, and you're basically checking off how many symptoms you have. But there's a lot of different phenotypes. There's a lot of different presentations of PCOS. So I have a very atypical presentation of PCOS, but I was diagnosed with that condition based on a, a transvaginal ultrasound and AMH test in, in my case. But what's really important with PCOS is that often if you are not ovulating at all, don't get a period, that can lead to a lot of unbound estrogen in your ovaries that puts you at high risk for endometrial cancer. So just understanding that not getting a period, like that's not normal. And that, that should facilitate a conversation with your doctor or having an irregular cycle. It might mean that if you do try to conceive, you don't ovulate at the same time that uh, an average woman might. And by understanding when you're ovulating, uh, when a sperm via intercourse or insemination could meet that egg could improve your, your chances and prognosis. So it's at Modern Fertility, it's just all about information, equipping women with that power proactively to help navigate their broader journeys. Yeah, that's super interesting. I guess going back to when you started Modern Fertility, since we're sort of going into the offerings, I'd love to hear more about how you met Carly. I've read somewhere that you mentioned like the importance of finding a really good co-founder. I know that's something that a lot of early stage founders go through. So overall, how did you meet her? Do you have advice for others meeting their co-founders? 
Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of ways to start a business. I knew that I wanted a co-founder at least to start the company with um, based on just knowing how I work, my working style. I think having someone that is tied to the business in the same way that you are is a lot more fun. And I I think it creates, for me personally, I, I knew that that would be beneficial to the success of modern fertility. But on the flip side, I think when you look at the YC stats of reasons that company fails, that founding team dynamic is so, so, so important. And so when I was starting Modern Fertility, I actually, I was co-founder dating. I would actually pay people out of my savings to work with me on, on specific projects that I was working through. Yeah. And for me, it was really important because that, that simulated what it would be like to work together. I think when people are moonlighting with you and you're working on different ideas, I knew that we were going to start this company, that we had to go in and serve women in this way. And I was really trying to figure out the right fit. I knew kind of coming with a finance ops and product background that I wanted someone that really came with this kind of brand content creative side of the equation. For us, it was really building modern fertility in a way that would resonate with women, taking fertility and moving it into mainstream wellness and creating something that destigmatized fertility and infertility and built a platform that women actually wanted to engage with. And so when I started working with Carly on these projects, it was just this this perfect combination of our skill sets that came together. And uh, yeah, the the rest was history. We were connected through what we refer to as the most epic introductory email of all time uh, through one of our our mutual friends. Uh, We did not know each other before that. We had a lot of mutual friends. But yeah, we went from not knowing each other super well to this is someone that you're going to spend more time with than probably any other person in your life. So it uh, really, uh, yeah, it's been an, an absolute blast. That's amazing. Great. Yeah. I see that like, you know, finding the right complementary fit is what people generally look for. But also it's interesting that you said that you pay people to work with you for a little bit just to test it out because I think, I don't know, there are different ways to go about it. And I think that makes a lot of sense just to like make sure you're not jumping into a, I guess, someone that you're going to spend the rest of your life with other than your significant other. Yeah. Um, and I think really thinking about like dating is helpful. I think that there are a lot of ways to go about building a company. I think that you need to be talking and having conversations around how much you want to work, what the exit plan is. There are just so many paths that having that alignment up front, I think is just so important. And so for us, having that opportunity was really helpful. There were folks that I... I'm using quotation marks, dated that uh, we just had really similar skill sets, folks that kind of came from the product finance backgrounds. And, and what we realized is that we just were way too complementary. And maybe that would have worked, but we had gaps uh, in the early stages. And so yeah. I think that period was, was super helpful. Awesome. I guess moving back into like offerings, I'd love to hear more about what exactly this offering is. So I understand it's a test you take at home, but you know, how do I order it? What is experience like? What information do I get? And you mentioned that it's not necessarily like going to tell you that you have PCOS, but you, it recommends you talking to a doctor. I love to hear that consumer journey. Yeah. So you can head to our website today, uh, modernfertility.com and request a test. Uh, We work with board certified physicians in 47 states that will review that test for appropriateness. And then we ship a test that you can take at home to your house. Then we have a a kind of custom quiz and guide that helps you understand based on your period, birth control, menstrual cycle, when to test. And we walk you through that whole testing process and kind of have these step-by-step instructions for every phrase. Uh, So it's a simple finger stick. You put drops of blood on a card and then send that back to our CLIA and CAP accredited lab. From there, you get access to your results experience 
experience in a few days. And so the way that our digital product works is that we can customize every word of every sentence within that digital product to be based on your hormone levels or age and self-reported medical information. And so that kind of continues to give you these customized reports, your fertility baseline, and it can help you understand things like red flags, success with IVF and egg freezing, menopause onset, how lifestyle factors influence your fertility, really just all of the questions that you might have about your broader reproductive health. It it sets that baseline in a broader digital experience. Also included with that initial purchase, you get access to a weekly webinar that we call an Aganar. So if you like podcasts, instead of of reading your reports, it's a great way to tune in. And all of those are live led by an an IVF nurse. And so you can uh, live chat, you can ask questions and it's really just this, this fun way to engage. You also get access to our modern community where we have these just awesome moderated channels with women that are exploring a lot of topics, maybe similar questions that you might have around different kind of pockets and areas of reproductive health. And then we also give you access to a one-on-one consult with a fertility nurse. So if you still have questions that we're not able to answer in all of our, our digital experiences, we want to make sure that every single customer is, is supported with that baseline information. So that's the kind of our, our flagship product, the Modern Fertility Hormone Test. But our goal as a company was really to continue to provide our customer with all of the products, tools, and services that she needed to have a better process and ultimately outcome, whether that was kids, whether that was broader reproductive health. So there's a lot going on uh, within our company in pursuit of that goal. From a product perspective, last year, we also launched a semi-quantitative ovulation test. So we track LH in urine. And so you can understand if you are ovulating or not. Uh, Typically, ovulation tests are used if you're actively trying to conceive to pinpoint when you're ovulating to time intercourse or insemination. But what we're seeing within our customer base is that for a lot of women or people with ovaries that have been on birth control, their entire lives, they're starting to use our ovulation test just right when they go off birth control to understand and answer the question, am I ovulating? And so that is an extremely accessible price point, but just a, a great way, again, to kind of zoom in on your cycle and, and understand. Uh, we also launched with the semi-quantitative ovulation test, a pregnancy test, an early detection pregnancy test, and a free app that includes a cycle tracker and ways to record all of your ovulation and pregnancy testing. And then, oh, I almost forgot, uh, about two weeks ago, we launched a prenatal vitamin. Uh, We saw in our community that just there was a lot of confusion. Which prenatal should I be taking? When should I be taking it? How early? And what we were finding is that there was just a ton of misinformation about when to actually start taking a prenatal vitamin. Turns out that actually taking a prenatal vitamin up to a year before you actively are pregnant is really helpful because it allows the folic acid to build up in your body to prevent neural tube defects in your future child. And so having a trusted prenatal vitamin that you can take proactively that supports you all the way through your pregnancy and breastfeeding is super important. I am not actively trying to conceive and I'm currently taking our prenatal and it's doing wonders for my my hair, skin, and nails. It's like a (laughs) multivitamin hack because of just how high quality our, our ingredients are. But that is our broader product portfolio today. And then we continue to build kind of digital products, tools, and services around that. So you can also find our plan where based on where you are in your overall preconception journey, whether you're thinking about kids, whether you're planning, you can go through that plan and understand, okay, turns out you can't actually get vaccinated once you're pregnant. So are you up to speed on your vaccines beforehand? So all of the things that are just this crash course, when you initially have that visit with your OB, how 
can you just go into that process with more information up front? That's super interesting. It sounds like the portfolio is really growing. Also, there's a lot of trends that we see, like in terms of a lot of people doing these. I actually tried the quiz and also downloaded your report just to see what it looks like. So overall, I think it's like super amazing the way that your consumer experience has been displayed. I'm curious in terms of that, when you were first deciding how to go to market, what made you go directly to consumers and what were other ways for you to see whether you want to go B2B through like OBGYNs or fertility clinics, et cetera? Yeah, we got a lot of questions and really I just spent a lot of time thinking about that in the early days. I think, you know, when we started Modern Fertility, we were really trying to create a category from scratch. We were trying to take this wait and see, try and fail model and build a category around proactive fertility. And we had a thesis that in order to do that, we really needed to have a direct relationship with our customers that would enable us to iterate faster, that would enable us to get feedback, that would just allow us to just have a broader, authentic conversation around fertility. And as we thought through other channels, we started... we actually got a lot of feedback from VCs that you should really consider and and think through this, this B2B channel. And when we launched, we actually had a handful of employers reach out and say, wow, this is amazing. Can you please come in and host our fertility and fertility education events? We want to cover the cost of the modern fertility hormone test. But what we realized is that for employers that were looking for fertility services to kind of just check that box, if they wanted to either have something or do more than covering IVF and egg freezing, and in some cases, we would always have the ability to continue to go into that part of the market later. And often that would really be facilitated by having a lot of employees that were advocating for our product. So for us, and I think for any early stage company, it's really about determining you know where you want to start. It's very hard to build out an OBGYN Salesforce B2B business model and nail direct to consumer all at the same time. And that became very apparent to us in the, the early days. And so we made the decision to really really prioritize and build physician-mediated D2C, allow for employers to offer modern fertility as a benefit and kind of a similar model with OBs. We have OBs reach out to us all the time saying, you know, I, I wish I'm looking for something to offer. This is so expensive. I want to equip my patients with this information, but I don't know the latest about, you know, fertility and infertility guidelines. I don't want to just refer out to an infertility clinic. And so we found that we can be kind of a helpful intermediary between the two. That's awesome. So basically, you still kind of work B2B, but in a more consumer focused, like bottoms up focused way. Correct. We don't have anyone at the company that's specifically focused on it right now. I think for us, it's really just staying and obsessing over the physician mediated D2C channels. But I think as we look at our broader mission of just meeting her where she is and providing accessible solutions, a multi pronged kind of distribution approach makes sense. And then we've started to kind of build out our our distribution model. Um, Last year, we launched in just over 1,500 Walmart stores with our ovulation pregnancy test. So just, yeah, it's uh, for us, it's, it's billboards out in the, the world when you buy a, a modern fertility ovulation test at a better price that is the same clinically sound results. You also get all of our free education and tools that come with that. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's just, again, meeting her where she is and taking that philosophy and thinking through a multi-channel distribution approach. In the beginning, I'm working with some of my friends on startups and we're like, okay, what is the first place you go to get your first hundred users? I'm curious, like, Did you go on Facebook? I feel like that's like a typical channel or where are the ways that you experimented and how did it all work out? (laughs) 
Yeah. So we did do our beta actually before the home test even existed uh, with mobile phlebotomy. We paid phlebotomists to go to consumers' houses and and just do a traditional blood draw. And it was important to us that we had a a mix of friends and and family, but also just people we didn't know as a part of that pilot. And so I think in D2C, it's finding, you know, what are the fastest, most highly scalable channels up front? And I think, you know, in today's age, often that's Facebook, that's Google. So how can you start with just those highly scalable channels, get a lot of information, data. And then uh, as a, a D2C company, you're, you're constantly trying to just diversify your sources of, of revenue, crack new channels, and kind of balance your performance and experimental spend. Amazing. That's actually a really good idea. I mean, you're extracting blood anyway. <laughs> um, I guess the creation of the diagnostic test, I'm curious, did it exist already? Did you have to create it from scratch? Or did you end up white labeling something was not as accessible to consumers. Yeah, so minimally invasive testing has been around for a really long time. It is not novel to use a small amount of blood to get diagnostic results, but it had never been brought to the fertility and infertility space. And largely, if you just look at the volume that is being tested today or four years ago in traditional labs, there are only 500 infertility clinics in the US. And so the number of people that can fit through those doors, it's just, it's not a lot. And so our concept was novel in terms of of taking these tests out of the infertility clinic and bringing them to the masses. And so we looked at, does it have to be a home test? Uh, Could we do mobile phlebotomy? We looked at the existing home tests that were on the market that had already validated these hormones. We were trying out a number of them and we made the decision that it was really important from an accessibility standpoint that we enabled her to get this information from home. I think for busy people in the business world, all the way down to just areas of the US where it takes hours to drive to get your blood drawn. And I I think as we continue to really think about accessibility as a broader part of our mission, it was just essential that we enabled her to take this test in a really easy format. And then when we looked at the tests that were being made available commercially already, uh, none of them met our bar. The tests, the publications surrounding those tests, we were not ready to stand behind any of the solutions that were on the market already. So we uh, partnered with a lab and actually built our own validation study showing that a finger prick and traditional blood draw could be used interchangeably. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are the only testing company that has published a study to this scale around these hormones in a top peer-reviewed medical journal. We published it in ACOG Screen Journal. We presented at the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. It was later reviewed in the New England Journal of Medicine. And so from day one, it was just essential that we really had a science and the clinical nature of these tests just as a, a core part of the, the company. And so we made the decision to really take the time to do this validation study and, and publish it while uh, we were building out a lot of other parts of the company and, and kind of focusing on really being a, a trusted solution in the broader space. Wow. I had no idea all that work had to go behind the scenes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess transitioning to more of the fundraising side, I know in the beginning you mentioned a little bit about VCs not understanding femtech. I guess tagging on that, In general, what was it like fundraising your first institutional round? And then how was it different raising your seed versus your Series A? I'm assuming some of the investors were different. Do you have any advice for those who are going through that process? 
Yeah. You know, I think in the early stages, uh, VCs are making their bets on a lot of things. They're making a bet on you. They're making a bet on the industry, your ability to pivot and figure things out within the industry. Um, There's a lot of things that kind of go into those initial decisions. And as you scale later in the company, another CEO told me a a quote recently that I'm going to mess up, but it was, uh, you know, data is the, the only thing that can save and the only thing that can kill your company. And so as you continue to just go through the subsequent milestones, data, um, do people buy your product? What is your gross margin? What is your LTV to CAC? All of those dimensions determine your ability to continue to scale the business and raise more venture funding. And so I think as we continue to scale our business and, and have really good metrics that, that sat behind that, the kind of um, space itself and, and women's health and fertility was starting to get a lot more attention. And then when you combine that with the just traction we were getting in the market, I would say it became kind of subsequently more easy to raise capital, but I think raising capital is never easy. It's it's always hard to just present your business in the right light and find partners that truly believe in your vision for the future. Um, but I will say for us, it, it did get easier as time went on. Speaking of vision, curious to hear your vision for modern fertility in the next, I guess, 10 years, 2031. <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, you know, back to day one, we, we started Modern Fertility as a fertility information company. And I think for me, success for Modern Fertility is really every person with ovaries in the world understanding their body so that they can own the decisions impacting their body in future, whatever those decisions might be. I think we are in the midst from a a cultural, from an educational perspective and the healthcare system where we are just obsessed with preventing pregnancy, but not planning for it. And so when I think about the modern fertility hormone test, I want the modern fertility hormone test to be as ubiquitous as a, a pap smear. I want every woman to be able to understand and have more data to inform those decisions more broadly. And so I think from a modern fertility standpoint, if, if women are equipped to make their own decisions with more information, that is just, that is a win for us. And that is a, a win for people with ovaries more broadly. And so all of our decisions, building out this platform where she can have all of the products, tools, and services to help her navigate her, her decisions more effectively and ultimately have a better outcome, whatever that means for her. Like that is the North Star that helps us navigate almost every decision in the company. That's amazing. I need to order my test. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm curious to hear your moving on a higher level of digital health. What is your perspective on the future of home health and home diagnostics or on the other side, just like women's health? You've worked in a lot of different digital health companies. You helped on the Willow side. You worked in the finance side and obviously have so much experience with genome testing I'm curious to hear your perspective on the overall space, what's exciting to you and opinions that people might not agree with, but you believe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We should probably do another podcast because <laughs> I have, I have so many thoughts, but you know, I think it's a really exciting time to be in, in women's health, to be thinking about fertility. I think just the momentum that is behind this space right now. And the fact that women are raising their hands and asking for these solutions is, is amazing. 
I would say that that one of the hard things that I think is is really important to think about upfront, especially when operating in the women's health space, is incentives. When you have an insurance company, they don't want to pay for a pregnancy. But if they do pay for a pregnancy, they want it to be a low-risk pregnancy as opposed to a high-risk pregnancy. And so when you start to really think about, okay, who are the big decision makers in this space? How do they make their decisions? How do the dollars flow? I don't think that there's been a lot of discussion around how that that happens in women's health more broadly. And there's honestly a lot of incentives that are really misaligned. And so I think that there is an amazing opportunity for tests solutions to come to the forefront. But I think it's really important to think through, do I need a grassroots effort to really make this type of test come to the the forefront because the existing system isn't incentivized to cover it? Really kind of having honest discussions with experts in the the space to understand the flow of dollars, I think is really important when going from zero to one and, and thinking through that business model. Oh gosh, other controversial things. I think that egg freezing in the kind of women's health fertility space is an amazing, amazing procedure that provides many options for women, but I don't believe that it is going to be the procedure that gets mass adoption in the US or world. I think it is incredibly expensive, invasive. And when you look at, even at companies that cover it, the amount of women that are pursuing um, that as an option today, I think that there needs to be a lot more work done. And I'm, I'm very excited about some of kind of early stage technologies in the space that are focused on fertility preservation or extending our her reproductive career. It's a great time to, I think, be passionate in thinking about women's health from uh, home health and, and diagnostics all the way to treatment and care. What are the other innovations besides egg freezing that you are mentioning? What are the new technologies? Yeah. So there's kind of three top ones that I am aware of that are, are ways out, but I think interesting from a, a clinical perspective. One is, is IVM in vitro maturation. So instead of injecting yourself with hormones to stimulate your ovaries, you're basically taking the eggs out when they're less mature and stimulating the eggs in, in petri dishes with the similar hormones. The second is ovarian tissue preservation. So again, it's uh, preserving less mature eggs, your ovarian tissue. Both of those technologies are not too to the point today where they should, they're in the position to gain broader adoption. Mm-hmm. But I think the research with both are encouraging. And then the third, um, you should probably do a follow-up podcast with Dr. Briggs on our clinical team, because this was um, an area her lab at, at Stanford was focused on, but taking stem cells and being able to kind of morph them into eggs and just have more kind of flexibility on that front. So those are the top three that I'm excited about. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah, egg freezing sounds very invasive. Not familiar with the space, so it's helpful to learn. (laughs) Great. I guess to wrap up, I'd love to ask you what advice you would have. We are an MBA podcast, so for current MBAs interested in digital health startups or starting something in the space, maybe those are two different questions, but what advice would you have if you could pick a couple? Yeah, so I would say... Please come apply to intern at Modern Fertility. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> I, I think, but really, yes, we are hiring. Um, but I think that just getting experience in an early stage company 
is incredibly valuable. It's also not for everyone. The pace, the autonomy, it is the roller coaster of a a job, a, a role. And so I think having that experience and really understanding what do I want my work to be in the context of my broader life, I I think is a really important decision that an internship just gives you the ability to really uh, try before you you buy or sign or however you can (laughs) morph that thing. Um, But I think if you really over-index on experience early, you can continue to build that into the type of role that you want. And so having that experience early on, I think is just an awesome way to think about kind of curating your your resume and and also deciding how you want to spend your career. That's great. So everyone apply to modern fertility. (laughs) Great. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for sharing your story and also all of the great tips on, I think will be really helpful for women to hear this as well. So Whoever is in our audience, I'm sure they learned a lot from you. Thank you. Okay, well, thanks so much for having me. This is a blast and appreciate you taking the time to talk about uh, women's health and, and fertility. 